Sony bringing more first-party games to PC. And Starfield gets a release window, kind of. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square at a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, your other host, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 177. 177 weeks of doing this. Thank you, guys. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Going to start this thing off uh, by saying that clearly our cold opening has some misinformation clickbait in it. I I won't say misinformation. It's got some... uh, distinctly worded information but we'll get into that in a little bit we like to start this show off the right way so if you are new to the show and want to stick around and see where you can find us on social media and or the likes or just where you can find the show if you're listening to it but want to watch it instead or watching it and want to listen to it instead stay around until the end but we start this show off this way every time so it's a nice simple courteous so what have you been up to i actually did not speak to you much this week so yeah i know that you played a little bit of mortal shell yeah, I played a little bit of Mortal Shell, um, and then I restarted on it, kind of like I do with the Dark Souls games. Oh yeah, once I, I get a good feeling. I beat Grisha first try, barely, barely even hit me at that point. Once I found out, or once I realized that, because you told me that you can parry without having to have resolve, and it builds resolve. Yeah, and it builds resolve. I I thought you couldn't parry at all. Like yeah. I thought that when you would do the little parry animation, it just wouldn't do anything. Yeah, um, it's a tighter window when you don't have resolve. Yeah, though. I notice it's not as forgiving. Yeah, but. Uh, I played that a little bit this week. I've t- I'm taking a little break on Ghost uh, of Tsushima to kind of do that, to play Mortal Shell, as I said last week. And um, I started up a new game. I've been looking for an RTS game to play, and I am addicted to Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition. I am so addicted to that game. I've played four games today. Did Microsoft bring Age of Empires to console? Uh, probably to Xbox. I feel like I remember an announcement for it. Um, but I, you know, I'm not nearly as big into RTS as I do like them. I mean, they're, they're okay. And I played them when I was younger. Um, but you know, one of the things I was talking about that it's just a weird thing, but I guess it is worth giving credit to Microsoft for this in two ways. Xbox were trying to bring RTSs to console even during the 360 gen with command and conquer with well command and conquer is more ea but they were at least shepherding them in yeah uh, but that was hey how do we bring them to console with controller configurations uh and we saw that of course with the first halo wars that was a 360 game so i'll give microsoft credit for trying to bring a series that wasn't as common on console to console so a bigger player base can play it it also makes sense though because microsoft owns the developer behind those games yeah, and I didn't know this, but Ensemble, who made Age of Empires 2, made Halo Wars. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's right, um, yeah. And, but they, they did not make Halo Wars 2, but they did make Halo Wars. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who made who made Halo Wars 2. Wasn't it just 343? No, it was um, Creative Assembly, or is that the name of the people? The people behind Shogun. I don't know what Shogun is, I guess. Oh, it was, Total wait. War, it really is what oh, it is. Oh, okay, but yeah. Total War Shogun's is the most recent one in my mind. Creative Assembly and 343. Yes, yeah. Um, well, 343 is just involved because of the lore and story yeah. aspect and stuff. So, um, What's interesting about that, too, is that I, was, I always wanted to play the Total War, and then they have the Total War Warhammer game, which is apparently one of the best ones. Oh, yeah. But my PC can't run that game. Is it that demanding? Yeah, it's not, even that, it's not that demanding. It's just like... My PC can run it at like low settings, but like the the amount of battles, the scope of the battles. Well, because RTS games are much more CPU intensive. Yes, and I need yeah. a better CPU. Um, 
I didn't really think about that, but there's a bunch of calculations happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it, it is great though. It is, it is one of those that I really, <clears throat> well, I really had fun with, with age of empires this week. It's cool seeing consoles. This generation support mouse and keyboard. And the main reason being yeah. is that, well, okay, it's weird. PlayStation 3 technically supported mouse and keyboard, but for some reason, I don't know that the games, like the game system side, was allowed to use it so much as just the OS. Because there was a PS3 keyboard that you could get, or a Logitech keyboard you could plug into your PS3, if I recall. I might be blending the early PS4 days, but. Well, there is a, there is a Logitech keyboard you can buy for PS4, the one that has the trackpad already on in it. it and, it's, yeah. and it works like you just plug it in and it works. I, I want to say there Final was Fantasy one for PlayStation 14. 3 for the same reason of Final Fantasy. Um, no, PS3 never got Final Fantasy 11 online. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe you are thinking of the one because it's the it's the famous Logitech keyboard that I use that you would see everywhere. It's yeah. the one that has the trackpad on the right that's about yeah. a two inch by two inch or three inch by three inch square. Yeah, and it had those like little I don't know I guess Hedrix style like like designs on it. Yeah, I don't know if it's that one or not, but I thought there was one for PS3. But regardless, my point being is that it's nice to see consoles support that and even letting you play with those peripherals in certain games because like I could be wrong. Uh, also, uh, there's been a couple of times I've been con- corrected recently and meant to talk about them. Games Pass is over 10 million subscribers, if I'm remembering what Rude Day said to me. It, it, he, but it's also I, still not I, profitable. Apparently, they have talked about that. I don't remember us talking about the subscriber count last episode. He said that Discord. I was like, oh, I guess we mentioned that. I, don't I said I think it's at a million. And here's the thing. In my mind, I thought I was saying a higher number. I In my mind, I think I was thinking 10 million. But clearly, I didn't say that. Once he said that, I was like, I did say a million. I'm stupid. Because a million's not very much. <laughs> Even if we're being honest, 10 million is kind of interesting. Because if we're left to believe that Xbox is at 40,000, or 40,000, 40 million, maybe 50 million consoles, they haven't been transparent, so it's hard to say. It's kind of an estimation. Let's just say it's 50 million consoles. 10 million is only a fifth of their user base. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not that it's not impressive. It is for a new, for a new service like that. But also, it's not profitable yet. And at what point in terms of their user base does it become profitable and what number? That's still something that interests me, but I appreciate Rude Days for giving me that uh, clarification, first of all. But um, in case I am wrong on this as well, I want to say that you can play Call of Duty Modern Warfare on PS4 with keyboard and mouse. See... And you can also tell the game whether you want to. Yeah, it does. Supports keyboard and mouse on console. And then you can. And then you can choose what peripheral you want your matchmaking to be handled. Yeah, because uh, you could do that in Call of Duty Modern. Yeah, Modern Warfare. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why when you said Modern Warfare, I thought of the remastered version that came out like last in the last year. <laughs> yeah. Not the new release that came out like a year and a half ago. Yeah. So either way, I think that that's a cool thing, and I'm glad we're seeing more and more games kind of utilize that. But. Also, clearly, Microsoft has a lot of interest because Wasteland 3 just came out, and that's on console and on PC. And why not at this point? If, if, you are, if you're lowering the barriers to where not only can you play it with a controller on console, but you can also play it with a keyboard and mouse so you can have a true experience to what you'd play on computer. Also, if you're getting to that point where, like, for a long time, one of the biggest things about Halo Wars, because uh, it was included in Jason Schreier's book about uh, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Yeah. And it was talking about how hard it was to make that game from a standpoint of like trying to understand how to get a good controller vibe and how much time was spent making sure that the controls felt right on a controller. Even Command and Conquer on the 360, the controls were weird. 
It was like hold down A in any empty plot of land to access this menu, but then hold down A on this specific plot of land to access this menu. Yeah, it's like weird context sensitivity, yeah. and that's always the issue. <laughs> it, it was. It's definitely weird. Thankfully, Age of Empires on PC, it's. I would say it's probably one of the because I tried out StarCraft Two. That is not for me. Um, that's why I didn't even mention it. It's because I played like less than an hour of that game, like trying to learn it. I'm like, no, this it's a is... complex game. Yeah, um, Age of Empires Two though, I like it because you have these certain build orders you can do or you can't do or that you can approve upon, um, and it's very, very easy to understand. More houses increase your population. It allows you to uh, have more people. The the town market home or the town uh, home or the town centers make your people. The barracks oh, yeah. make your soldiers. The archery range makes your archers. The yeah. stables make your knights on horses. And then that entire time you are micromanaging. And I think that's why I like the game so much is there's not one second of that game where you're not doing something. Yeah, you see, are focusing on getting people to do this or to do that. I, I haven't played it. near as much of Age of Empires. Uh, I've played a little bit of Civilization. Yeah, Civilization's kind of the same, but on a, on a little bit less of a micromanaging scale. Sure. But what you were just talking about sounds more like Warcraft 3, which was original. Not World of Warcraft, but Warcraft yeah, 3. Yeah, I never played Which Warcraft. they did Warcraft 3 Reforged or something, like a, a remaster of it. Hmm. And I'm actually interested in trying it out because when I was young, I really loved War uh, Warcraft 3. But... Who knows? Again, it would be kind of cool to see Blizzard bring Warcraft 3 to consoles. Because you can. Also, while we're talking about the fact that, P- that keyboard and mouse is supported, why this brings back a question about Diablo 3 that has continued to plague me. Oh, yeah. Why, why not- doesn't the, P- the PS4 version support keyboard and mouse, and why doesn't the PC version support controller play if both of those play styles already exist in their respective games? Yeah. We demand answers and improvements, Blizzard. Well, Brett, Brett demands answers. I, I, don't, do. I don't have a problem playing with mouse and keyboard on that game. <laughs> I don't have a problem playing with mouse and keyboard. It just makes no sense to me that you would literally have both of these built and not just be like, okay, yeah, put the console controls into the PC version and put the PC controls into the console version. Yeah. I, I guess what I should say is that's my, that's my hope, more or less demand for Diablo 4. Because here's the thing. On console, I'm going to play it just like Diablo 3. I just think that for people that want to play it on console with keyboard and mouse. So drastically, you can't. They could. I don't think they would, considering the amount of time that probably went into making it feel right on console. But the thing is, like, Blaze would be willing to play with us on console if he could play with keyboard and mouse, because that's how he prefers to play. Yeah. So it, it would be a thing where presumably crossplay would hopefully exist at that point. But if it doesn't, it'd be even better if at least on the same system you can do it. But also just for somebody who maybe wants to not play PCs anymore because it's more of a pain in the butt for them, and they're like, I'm okay with moving to console gaming and all my favorite games are on console and with mouse and keyboard support so I can play them the same way without having to worry about keeping my PC drivers up to date or upgrading my con- uh, my, my PC over time. It's like you can at least let all that go while still keeping... If, if your only thing is that you prefer mouse and keyboard as your peripherals, Awesome. Well, you can still do that now. You can just go buy a Zim, which are pricey. You said you buy a what? A Zim. Is they're, that like a thing that lets you essentially it, It's essentially like a... It's, 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 it's not... It's, it's, people consider it cheating, but it's not a bannable thing because they can't detect it. But essentially, you plug it in, and it acts like a hub. Like, you got to plug your PS4 controller into this hub box, and then that hub box then has a USB port on it you plug your mouse and your keyboard into and then it emulates your controller through mouse and keyboard. But yeah. it's instantaneous, so it's, and it, it, yeah. it, it's just an emulator. 
And I'm sure some games will ban you if they find out you have it somehow. But like I'm telling you right now, we we played Trials of Osiris or uh, whatever it's called in Destiny Two, and like you could tell people uh, at high levels of competitive player using mouse and keyboard. There's I play on max sensitivity on that game, and there's no absolute way that there are people that can do what they can do. Yeah, because I can't. Like there's no way I there's I can't do it. That means they should be able to do it. And like what I mean by that is they can snap 180 degrees and look at me instantly. Yeah, where I can't do that. I can't snap around that fast. And see, that's where you're never going to get rid of cheaters. This is never yeah. going to happen. But if you make it to where the people who might actually, who may essentially be cheating, but without actually intending to cheat, just because they, they feel better with a mouse and keyboard, mm-hmm. if you can just give them that option in every game, like Modern Warfare has done, and then also say, "Hey, I'm playing with mouse and keyboard. Just to be fair, I should only be able to play with mouse and keyboard, unless somebody who has a controller says that they're okay with matchmaking with mouse and keyboard." Yeah. That should be the only way that. Automatically, their auto- mouse and keyboard only goes to mouse and keyboard, but controller can d- go into that world if they just really want to challenge. <laughs> yeah, I see. <laughs> but who knows? Also, I would really love for controllers to get better dead zones. That's actually a big hope for DualSense. Yeah. Is that, th- that I was thinking about the other day, I was playing, I think it was Mortal Shell, and I was trying to move. No, it was Skate. It was on the Xbox. So yesterday, when I was playing Skate 3, that's what it was. Um, me and Kyrie were playing. And I was going to do something. I was trying to pull back on the stick enough to get a manual going. And I kind of never really, I don't know why I was in the mindset, but I was like, I'm having to pull this back really far to get a manual going. Yeah. I was like, that you think it would be like the severity of the manual until you hit the bottom should continue to rise. But I think it really doesn't. There's a very small window in where the manual starts, starts. and then has a little bit of adjustment. And I was amazed at how big the dead zone now was. But that is also a 360 game. So the dead zone for the control for the game may be set to the 360 controller. And you're playing the Xbox One controller. So, or it may just be the Xbox controller, regardless. Because I know I've I've experienced it on PlayStation Four as well. It's not. It's just it was recently brought to my attention. Like, man, I really hope that next consoles are worried about trying to minimize dead zone as much as there, possible. There is one game I played on PS4 that had really bad dead zone. I think I told you about it. I can't remember what it is now though. The thing about it, I guess, that's weird is that you have the same problem that if you try to make too tiny of a dead zone, you run, you run the risk of creating drift problems or, or even oversensitivity. Yeah, that's true too. But I think most people would rather have oversensitivity that could be dialed down in the game settings. That's the problem with the PS3 controller. I mean, that's, the sticks are so loose. Oh yeah, but that's a whole different thing. Yeah, but like, still, you're you talking about natural that, resistance. You can't dial that down though. Yeah, man, that would be cool. You know how they're talking about having adaptive triggers? Yeah, Do you have adaptive a, thumbsticks. That would be cool. Technically, like, I guess scuff controllers do that in a really weird way, right? I don't know. I mean, I have a scuff control. I don't. I've never felt that. What I'm saying, like when you make them, like can't you make them so that your that your analog sticks are more sensitive? Maybe, but I I don't know what what they mean by sensitive. If it's just sensitive to movement, but it would be really cool going back to that idea from Deathloop, right? Where like when your gun is jammed, you can do that. What if they have it to where like something happens to you in game? I don't know the exact situation. And it tightens up your analog. And it tightens up your analog sticks to where like if okay, like Ratchet Clank through like Ratchet and Clank a rift in time, you get hit by a gun that turns you into stone, so that your 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 analog sticks freeze. And your, your analog <laughs> that would sticks be freeze, and that you gotta sit and wiggle them out. Yeah, see, I was or even ice thinking, or something. you know, and I know that some people might be annoyed by this, but you know, you think about the idea you of they're talking the about settings. when you're yeah, but when you're they're talking about like with the dual senses haptics that when you drive through mud in a game or if you walk through mud, the vibration feels different for like what the texture of mud should be. Yeah. What if you also put that on the analog stick where while you're walking, it's Death harder to push the analog stick. going to be amazing. <laughs> the New simulation for delivering packages. That's but, a great actually. I, but I wonder the fact that they did it on the analog sti- or the on the triggers, but not the sticks. 
Is it something they thought of? Is it something they didn't think of? Or is there some kind of barrier that makes it hard because of that, the fact that it's like a, it's not 360 degree movement, but in a way there's a lot more range of movement. That's a good question. You mentioned Mortal Shell. What else have you been playing this week? Or is that it? <laughs> no, no, I played a little bit more. Um, I got the platinum for uh, Twin Breaker, which was interesting because it kind of finally did click with me. Also, I hate hidden trophies that are dumb to be hidden. Yeah, we like, talked get, about this at work. That was one of the few times we actually got to see each other at work. I get when a trophy is hidden for spoiler purposes or because it's such a, a weird trophy that it's cool that it's hidden because you might stumble across it on accident, right? Yeah. Who in their right mind would think, you know what should be a hidden trophy? Complete the game on New Game Plus. What? <laughs> so I did this entire game's trophy list, and this last one was hidden. So I thought, it's going to be a weird thing that I can just pull off or whatever. Then I go, and I'm like, so it's New Game Plus? And the reason that it pissed me off is that I had to replay all the levels to get A rank minimum so I could fill out the codex, because you have to unlock codex by getting A rank or S rank. And I could have done it then. I could have just done that all on New Game Plus. But instead, I had to go back and rebeat all 40 levels again just so I could get the platinum. And it was just more of an annoyance. So there is that. But I didn't play a lot else. I did a lot of music stuff this week and some other crap I just had going on. But Mortal Shell also took up a lot of time specifically with my Shellless run and trying to figure out the best way to go. So word of caution in case you ever decide to do this. Mm-hmm. On the Shellless run, I thought... Okay, it'd be smart to go to the hardest area first, beat it, so that the rest of the game's easier. I had no weapon upgrade. I didn't have the ability to use a special attack, which is really useful. I didn't have any damage upgrades. So I got to the last boss, and I was trying to beat it. And again, it's the fact that the more damage you can output, and definitely the special special attack, it does a lot of damage, then the, the the less time you have to be in the boss fight. The more time you're in the boss fight, the higher the chance that you get hit the one time that it takes to die. So that kept getting me. I'd almost get him dead. And then you die. And then I'd die. And I'd get hit by something weird. And I'm like, crap. It's just because I'm having to last longer. So I cut my losses, went back, and decided on the way back that I was going to. I already had two quenching acids. And I decided to figure out where the other three were. So I found two more that I could get without having to go to another area. And then I had enough tar built up to build the to uh, buy the last one from the guy at the top of the bell tower. Mm-hmm. And from there, I have plus five. Uh, I found the sensor. Uh, that's the hammer and chisel special attack thing and put it in there. So I have the special attack went to the first bot. A boss melted him. Absolutely melted him. And I was like, I should have done this from the get go. Cause it's easier to want to keep playing something that's challenging when you feel like you're making progress. Yeah. Then it does just to hit a wall. Exactly. So now that I'm at, now I'm in the second area and I'm on, I'm, I'm facing the first, it is a boss. It's, it's a enslaved Grisha. That's like in an ice area, and it's really cool. It's a, it's more challenging than a normal one, and huh. that's where I got before I stopped to hop that's off. It's a very Dark Souls thing to take a very first boss and turn it into a normal kind of encounter later. Well, it's still a boss encounter, or even a harder encounter. Yeah. Um, it that was cool. That's where I'm at, and I I did I fought it once and died, but I got all right. I just had to remember since I didn't play for a few days and came back to it after getting frustrated. It's like relearning yourself a little bit, but with all that, I had a good time. It was really fun. Um, I don't know what I plan on playing next is the question. Like Age of I, Empires 2. We can, we can pro- play against each other. Probably not, but maybe. Who knows? I think I'm, not, I'm not going to say no. I, just, I think technically this game would be free on Games Pass. I bought it on Steam because I canceled my Game Pass. Oh, on PC Game Pass? But if you have Ultimate, then you have PC with it. Right. 
Hey, I may try it around. Who knows? We'll also, see I'm what happens. Also, I'm not happens. just playing a game in the middle of the podcast. I'm actually just testing it to see what's going to run. It ain't, it ain't looking good. <laughs> oh, on your laptop? Yeah, like it's, it's, uh, it ain't looking good right now. Hey, I mean, if you're playing middle of the podcast, that's your business. I don't know. <laughs> but, I'm going to be that unprofessional. Yeah. Um, either way, I guess, you know, I've got a couple of things in the backlog I could be playing, which not too much, but I do have some. I think I'm probably going to start a Plague Tale again to work on getting the Platinum for it, but I want to play something else. The only thing is is that we're seven days away from me just being able to play Kingdoms of Amalur, so I'm probably just going to wait and just play a little bit here and there until that comes out. Yeah, I need to look at more into that because um, that looks like a cool, fun game to get to play while I'm on vacation or something. Well, you like Ari Salvatore, right? Yeah. Yeah, as an author? Yeah. Yeah, he wrote the story for this, so there's a high chance that you'll like it from nothing else from a lore and story standpoint. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. They finally, what was weird about that game is that clearly I know that when it's a remaster, there's a little bit, bit a little bit less of an impotence to be like, hey, we need to show gameplay because it's just like, well, it's going to be the same gameplay, just better looking and presumably better feeling. Yeah. But they did not show new gameplay until um, Thursday or Friday, finally. And I was like, okay, because I was getting a little worried that they weren't showing it at all. And I was like, is that a sign that they don't think it really is looks any better? Because considering the price you still want it to be like considerably better. Right. But it, it looks good. I'm not worried about that. It was just weird that they didn't show gameplay until now. Um, but we're going to go ahead and move into the community's take. Also, if you got a game that you think I should play in my seven day in between that you think would fit in there, I'm all ears. I'm open to try something new. Potentially age of empires Two definitive edition, $20. <laughs> Maybe if I can play on console, I think you can play on Xbox. I'm going to try it. I'm going to look and see. You still have Games Pass? Yeah, no, but I can renew it pretty easily. <laughs> pretty sure it's on Games Pass. We'll definitely look and see. I'm going to head over to the community's take as we go here. And that question was very simple in relation to last week's episode about, you know, a big thing was DC having their fandom event and showing all their stuff off. And it was kind of me and Saul talking about, you know, what we feel about seeing the Gotham Knights trailer and then also seeing the Suicide Squad trailer. And now I'm not quite surprised uh, realistically from what I hear here and for the reason I expected, but we got a couple of answers here. And the first one I'm going to do kind of gives a good showcase as to what most people's feelings are. Ken Nace over on Facebook says, Gotham Knights because they showed gameplay of that game. Plus, I don't have much interest in the Suicide Squad. So It's a good point to take. I think the biggest thing here is that even if maybe people are a little more excited for Suicide Squad from a idea standpoint, the fact that they don't know at all after seeing it what it could actually be, yeah, it's kind of still just an idea. Whereas Gotham Knights got to see gameplay in action. Yeah, and you kind of know what to expect from it for if you've played any of the Arkham games before. Exactly. So when you kind of exist in that, it makes sense. This next one from my buddy Jonathan. Which one? Jonathan Moore. Okay. He says, yes. I hate you, Jonathan. But we more importantly, out, I am going to go over to a new poster for over here, or at least doesn't post it often. My buddy, Williams Rocky Davis, also known as Pants, he says, I got to say Gotham Knight because I'm ready to run through it with Jonathan Moore. I was going to say, is that pan- is that our pants? And then you said Jonathan Moore. And I was like, yeah, that's our pants. That's yeah, our pants. Over on Twitter, though, we got Mr. Matt Green, who says, going on the two reveals Gotham, but only because there was gameplay. For all we know, Suicide Squad is going to be a 32-bit side-scrolling beat-em-up, but I'm fascinated on being the bad guys, though. That's a good point, too. Yeah, so it goes back to you just don't know what it is. But I do like that he has a that, that his credit that he kind of gives to Suicide Squad is at least in this situation, the idea is like, well, we're getting to finally play a, super, a, a some form of a superhero game 
where it's all about being the bad guys. Because like Injustice is kind of an example where you can be the bad guy. Yeah. But realistically, when you're playing the Injustice story, you're being the good guys going through. That's why I like morality games. Because yeah. I, I typically do both. It gives you two playthroughs. When, I lo- I when love- you play first, which one do you typically go through? Like the first playthrough. Uh, I, I go through whatever what would be canon or what would seem canon. So like if the character is kind of morally nice, normally I would try to go through the nice instead of making bad decisions. Okay. Like like Commander Shepard would not be a bad guy. You would, yeah. So, so I, I went through it good. Yeah. Then I was like, I'm going to go full Paragon or whatever it is or Vanguard. I forget. I, it's been so long since I played those games. So that's, again, that's what's so fun about Infamous is that early days – Cole is not a, com- a character that... Because, like, a c- commander, you kind of like, well, he's in the position of being a commander, and the little bit of experience you get with him is like, well, he doesn't seem like an asshole commander. Yeah. But a game like Infamous is kind of interesting because you know a little bit about Cole, but you don't know enough to be like, huh. And since the since the choices are not just innately good or innately evil, it's more about, like, the gray area in between. Definitely like Infamous 1. Did you get far enough to have to shoot the crate down? Um and choose who gets the food. Yeah, yeah, that's before the bridge. That's the, bridge the section. very first quest of that game that took has it. about morality. Yeah, I took it, and it's a great thing though, right? Because the gray area of well, it's not just I'm taking the food to be a dick. It's because I'm hungry. I'm taking the food because not only does it help me, but it helps the people that I most immediately care about. Yeah, it's like, but at the cost of everyone else. But right. I don't really know or care about everyone else, so it's not something that, like, in a way, yes, it is the morally worse choice, but it still exists in that gray area of like when someone does it, you kind of be like, I understand why that happened. Yeah. It's kind of like the whole, would you steal a loaf of bread to feed your family? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's like still two or three of them. Easy to do there. El Jahudi said, neither. Then again, I am not a DC fan that much. <laughs> now the question has to come, Mr. El Tabib, if you're going to, are you a big, are you liking the Marvel thing? Like, I would, you know, it's, and I don't, I, I mean Marvel Avengers, I should say. Uh, definitely since it's kind of seemingly a similar game with a bunch of characters that you can all play as, is that doing it for you? Or are you wanting more of like the single off experiences like Spider-Man? That's just a genuine curiosity. Because I know that you liked Anthem, so you clearly like the idea of games that you go through, but is that what you wanted from a comic book thing? Because I, okay. I assume here that when he says he's not a DC fan, he's a Marvel fan. He's a Marvel fan. You could be neither, I suppose. You could just like I'm a Dark or, Horse Comics fan, or both, but in like in a really weird way, like I am. Like I love DC for their comics more, and their and some of their characters more so than Marvel. But Marvel has really good standalone graphic novels. Yeah, well, it's kind of like we were talking about the other day that I think from an animated movie standpoint, DC is leagues above Marvel. Well, dang. But from a from a live action standpoint, Marvel's clearly been doing a yeah. mostly better job well, now wrangling I, their stuff in. I said that then I thought of Court of Owls and The Watchmen and Long Halloween and all those standalone graphic novels. Actually, I don't think Long Halloween standalone. But uh, then I'm like, dang, I was like, do I think I do it just like DC better? <laughs> I know that I like DC better. But I think, but only because of the, I like their top, tip top heroes better. Yeah. Like Batman, Batman is my is, favorite superhero. Okay. But Superman, I also loathe. So if I, I'm being honest. I do too. And I, I, I can't stand <laughs> Superman, but I think I've made it a point that I'm like, I'm going to try to read one of his like comics to see if I'll end up liking him. Maybe there's more to him than just being overpowered. And I'm I sure think the is. problem with him is just. There's no, he's just meant to be like this altruistic person. And Batman was clearly made to be like the, what happens when you try to give somebody altruism, but also he doesn't have real powers. 
So it's not like, oh, I have to use this. Every decision he has to make comes through this this filter of like he's a normal human. He has lived through this whole thing. He's had tragedy that strikes him as to where he's at, even though clearly Superman lost his his parents too. But different situations. Regardless, hey. Superman's always been viewed in this like more bright light. And there's a couple of really interesting stories with Superman. I'll give them that. But as a base hero, he's typically not very interesting to me because he's too altruistic. And I've heard Bruce Wayne bleeds. So, <laughs> okay, can I can I spoil something for you for Justice League for a second since we're on the on this? I don't think it really matters. Are you going to spoil it for everyone else? Yeah, I don't care. They, they probably don't care. This movie is two years old at this point. I don't care. Go for it. Um, so you know how back in Batman vs Superman, Batman asked him, ask Superman, do you bleed? Yeah. Well. Superman asked Batman that in this movie because Batman, like they, Superman's obviously back to life because no, who who didn't expect that to happen? One hundred percent. And yeah. uh, he's kind of confused as why he's brought back to life and stuff. So he picks up Batman by like the cheeks, <laughs> and he just says, "Do you bleed?" <laughs> and he's like, "You will." And I'm like, oh, "Okay." They flipped it. That was actually pretty pretty cool. Interesting. All right, let's see. One we haven't heard from in a while here, Mister Mikey Twelve. Says, I was just thinking that. Neither, to be honest. I love the Arkham games, but neither did much for me. And Mikey, I have a very pointed question for you. Feel free to tweet us or just DM us or whatever you want. Why do you feel like, despite your love for the Arkham games, Gotham Knight is not hitting you? Now, clearly, Suicide Squad, I think it's reasonable to be cautious about it because you just don't know much. Yeah, it's the continuation of the Arkham universe, but it's also removing so much of what you knew about it. Uh, So I'm more looking at, what me and Saul talked about last week, and part of the problem here, uh, for me at least, is that Gotham Knights looks, feels, and even seems like they were purposely trying to confuse people about whether or not it was part of the Arkham Universe to the extent that it's clearly meant to be like a continuation of that style from an art perspective, that style from a gameplay perspective, even if you're shooting up to four people. So what it is that, what is it about Gotham Knights that is just not gripping you? Is it the fact that it's a four-player co-op and doesn't seem like it's going to be as focused on a singular character's tale or what? That's just a curiosity for me. It's a good question. Vinny, Jimmy here, our buddy Vince, he says Gotham Knights for sure actually makes me want to play the Arkham games. And that's interesting because it's like a complete flip yeah. <laughs> from what Mikey said. So uh, I'm going to go grab a couple here off of Discord and we're going to be gone. But for the most part, you can see that it's not much Suicide Squad, and I'm going to give the one, actually, from Twitter that is Suicide Squad, just so there's a little bit of a thing. Richard Schaefer says, Suicide Squad, a Suicide Squad only because I'm hoping for something with a bigger co-op opportunity. The trailer struck me as maybe up to four-player co-op, which I guess has Arkham been considered, or, or not Arkham, Gotham Knights, has it been considered to be specifically two-player co-op? Because that's what I'm getting from It looks like it would this. be four-player, but I haven't heard me them as well. confirm anything else. Yeah, me as well. Who knows? We'll see how that goes. Over on Discord, though, Mr. Rude Days 93 one of our newer patrons, he says, even though it's just a CGI trailer, I'm much more interested in the Suicide Squad game. The characters in Suicide Squad just seem more fun and diverse, while Gotham Knights characters seem all like a serious Batman with similar skill sets. Also... While WB Montreal is a good studio, in my opinion, Rocksteady is a studio on the level of Naughty Dog and Rockstar as one of the best in the industry. And I agree with you for the most part. I do think that they kind of slid back with Arkham Knight. As much as I love the game, there's clearly some issues with it. Arkham City Um, is like the best Arkham game there is, I think. I agree, but a lot of people also view Arkham um, Asylum, which, I mean, clearly both are great games. I wonder wonder if that's for nostalgia, because that was the first one that they played, the first one that came out. I think it probably... 
determines like based off the type of game you want. Do you want something that's more of a tight experience that doesn't worry about an open world? Because Arkham Asylum is a much tighter experience. See, I thought all the puzzles in City and stuff though were better. But you may in, not. Some people because the thing the that naturally world. happens with the open world is it does affect pacing. Because yeah. you can't funnel someone exactly where you want to go because they may want to go screw around. Now, I think that the way the Arkham City's world went about being is so much more interesting because if I'm being honest, I think the thing that bums me out the most about Spider-Man, and I know it's because unlike City, Spider-Man's taking place in a New York that still has all the normal civilians. Mm-hmm. I think that they were very smart in City to make it to where the part of Gotham that you're in is a closed-off section and it's where it's essentially Arkham becomes a city. And I yeah. like that because the whole city is just full of goons yeah and you can walk around hide swing around and just hear them talking you can hear radio chatter of what's going on and it makes that world feel more alive to me than spider-man 10 years later you know whatever it was it wasn't 10 years because arkham city was 11 so still spider-man comes out seven years later and i don't think it did a good job as world building when you're not in the game like in the cutscenes and stuff as arkham city did yeah arkham city was one of those games like where you were walking around and you were hearing people you were hearing two thugs stand there and talk to each other on a street co- street corner, and you're all the way up on a street light under, like right above them, and you're just hearing them like, "This is cool. This is Batman." My favorite thing about it is that I remember one night because I was just so taken back by what they were saying. It was interesting to me, and I, I know I've said this on the show before, but just listening to them for thirty minutes and never hearing a line of repeat dialogue. Yeah, it may not have been thirty minutes, but it was a long time because I was just sitting there like, "Surely they're going to say something they've said before." Yeah, this they're going to the start their their dialogue and they didn't. tree over. And it blew my mind. If you play the game long enough, you'll finally hear someone say something again. But it's always a different set of goons. So it's kind of like, well, at least you can kind of give a little bit of that suspension of disbelief back. I really wish I didn't have to say this, but the game really makes you feel like Batman. (laughs) (laughs) I hate myself. But dang it, is that not just But I think that that speaks to Rude Day's thing, right? I think Arkham City was the first time that... like Arkham Asylum is a fantastic game, and I'm not taking anything from them. But Arkham City, when I played it, I never felt a game feel like such... I, I don't even know why. I think it's the best sequel I've ever played. And I don't know if it was because of the expectation I had versus how much they grew. But Near that, that is makes what makes that's what makes them be on that Naughty Dog level to me, too. Because I know a lot of people view Uncharted 2 as like a big step. Near. Near. Yeah, Near Automata is also very good. about that. But, yeah, very good studio. I'm going to grab one more off of here. Let's see who we have. Uh, there's only one more to go with. This <laughs> one's fun, actually. Oh, no, it's not. Hold up. Is Ellis Unchained? Who is he? That's Brian. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. I promise you it is. No, it's not. He did this because of the joke on purpose. No, I, I know. know. But are you, you think that Brian's actually Josh? I think Josh killed Brian and took a skin. <laughs> so Ellis hush. Unchained says, <laughs> Batman Turkey Spaghetti Rises. I'm sure Josh will appreciate that if he did not pull a hush while we're talking about Batman and steal this man's skin so that he can romp hush around. Is, hush is cool. Batman has some really terrible villains and some really good villains. Also part of the reason I think City is so good. All of the side missions felt like before The Witcher 3 came out and everybody was like, the side quests are so great. Dude, all now the side storylines pl- in City. How much does this cost on PSN? It was like five ninety nine one day. Oh, I, yeah. I have it on PSN and I got it on sale for pretty cheap. And, you know, I replayed City recently. So great. Still a fantastic game. One of my favorites, and it has some of the best boss fights uh, in that style of game. So Some of the best puzzles, too. Some of the best puzzles. It's a great, great game. Now, $60 again. How did this game go from $5 to 60 I swear this game was on sale for like $60. Arkham Collection is the one that also includes Night. Right. Are you just wanting to replay City? Because you can buy City, I think, separately, but you can also... 
Um, Are you sure? Well, you have Xbox. Uh, the collection just is on Game Pass. Game Pass. Just canceled it. Well, I hate to tell you. It'd be cheaper than buying it. <laughs> it's up to you. So, we're going to move on from there and talk about the news today. And over on our news, we're going to start off with um, a press F to pay respects because PS4 update 7.55 is here and adds what you expect this late in the generation. But it also seems to cement that the PS4 reached max stability more than a year ago with this update only improving system performance like the last few have. So it is with regret that I say for listeners who have been listening a long, long time, good night. Sweet, sweet system stability updates. Hold up. Is Return to Arkham all through uh, City and Asylum? Return to Arkham is City and Asylum. So you can buy Return to Arkham for $5 or for $20, and then you can go buy Arkham Knight for $5 for $25, or you could buy all three of them in one download for $60. <laughs> Digital pricing is sometimes stupid. Even then, hold on. Even then, this game's full price at $20. So you're, you're looking at a minimum of $40 versus $60 for the same thing. Yeah. Hey, what? I don't know. I don't make the digital pricing rules. I don't tell you. I don't know. I can't say anything. I just okay. It'd be different if if uh, Arkham Collection included Arkham Origins Hold because on. that doesn't exist anywhere. I gotta see. Like this just can't experience two. Wait. So are you finding out something dumb about digital distribution? It just says experience two of the most critically acclaimed titles in the last generation: Batman Arkham Asylum and Batman Arkham City with fully remastered updated visuals. Well, that's the complete Ar- that's your experience to the Arkham. explosive finale in the Arkham series and Batman Arkham Knight. But it doesn't say it includes Arkham Knight. As a matter of fact, it says more for Batman Arkham Knight here. <laughs> I don't get Sony's freaking PSN store sometimes. Here's the thing: I wouldn't be surprised if you go and look at it on the Xbox. It isn't the same. I think this is a problem of who listed it. They don't, you know, Sony doesn't make the description. The description clearly is what's lacking in information. And then at the bottom it says Batman Arkham Knight and Batman Return to Arkham software is blah, 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 blah. It's like neither one of these are said anywhere in this description. I'm Who knows? Confused. Next up, September's PS Plus games have been announced to be Street Fighter V and PUBG available to download starting September 1st. And if anything can tell you anything about where we are with the idea of... Uh, of battle royales right now rude days over on discord said am i the only one that thought PUBG was already free to play dude i thought it was too i knew it wasn't just because i remember when it would hit and a lot of people were looking at fortnite as a clear free-to-play example of the same experience and that was a lot less buggy because PUBG does not run well on consoles or did not i don't know if it does now it doesn't run bad <laughs> at least on xbox one x because yeah. i played it on there at launch on one x it was worse than on the one so they must have done some work. Now wow. the big question here is: I wonder how many people still play PUBG. Because, oh, a lot. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty to justify it. But when you think about what it is right now, the big three are still Apex, Warzone, and Fortnite. Apex, honestly, is outtrumping all of those. From people I know who just like hardcore love it, yeah. But I also know a lot of people who spend a lot of time on Warzone. One hundred twenty-six thousand people were playing an hour ago on PUBG, so that's a quite a lot. It is a lot, but it's not near because I, I, if you can find what Fortnite's playing right now, or what Warzone's playing right now, or or Apex, I'm guarantee you all of them are probably in the millions. I don't know if wrong. that information is accessible. But it is interesting. You can download starting uh, those starting September 1st, so the day after this airs. just happens to be the first Tuesday of the month is the first of the month. Um, five million, yeah. Five million, four hundred fifty-one thousand. Yeah, not even remotely surprised. 
So PUBG's hanging on and it's probably doing well, but it's kind of weird. PUBG was the was the game that started the the trend and it did not catch on because it goes to show you where we are. People look at games as a service and then free to play is these bad things, but it goes to show you free to play can seemingly make you more money than just and it sucks, I know, because I like to just buy games outright as well and it gives people motivation to create really predatory micro microtransactions, but Clearly, people who don't charge are making far more money. To be fair, PUBG has double the current count of Destiny 2. On PC, at least. This is a go by Steam charts. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't know if Destiny is more popular on console than it is on PC. I really don't. I think it's more con- popular on PC. But it's also Sunday. Like A lot of the Chinese population plays a lot of PUBG. Yeah, I could see that. So I would wonder if it has to do with the time zone thing right now. I don't know. Possible, but we may never know. Next thing up, two years after the initial announcement of Starfield, Bethesda's Pete Hines says the reveal is still a while away. So if you were wondering what that reveal timeline was... A while away. It's a while away. I didn't say I didn't say I had an exact date for it. I just said... We know the you said you had a window. Though. Yeah, that's... <laughs> that window is a while away. Some um, windows can be big and some can be small. He followed by saying, despite the long wait, he thinks that when the game is finally shown, people will find that the wait was worth it. Shocking. A person who works for the game says that they're going to like the game. Yeah, and here's my big thing. The last time that we heard about Starfield at all was during that panel with Pete, uh, not with Pete Hines, with um, Todd Howard. Todd Howard last year during E3. Um, that was, I mean, like literally a year ago. And it was a, a CGI trailer of nothing. It was about him talking about travel, and he was talking about how in the game space travel was going to be uh, authentic, but still a little gamified. And like, he talked about the fuel source. It's going to be like Helium 3 or something crazy. It sounds a lot like um, Elite. Elite Dangerous, yeah. yeah. I don't, but he said, like, you know, they're going to gamify it a little bit, but he wants it to feel like flying in the 1940s when it was still so new that it was dangerous, but a lot of people were still doing it. Flying in the 1940s? Yeah, like flying planes. Oh, okay. I was like, wait a second here. (laughs) Aliens? (laughs) (laughs) But I get it. Flying planes in the 1940s when the technology wasn't really established, but a lot of people were doing it to get it further along. So he wants it to feel like fun, but also dangerous. Now, don't get me wrong. My point of that is that that's like the only information we've got. You see that star system over there? You warp to it. (laughs) (laughs) But this goes back to kind of what I was talking about. I hate that there's this thing about showing games so early. Am I excited that Bethesda's finally working on a new IP? Bet your ass I am. I'm really excited, actually. But here's the thing. Fallout 76 and the way that it launched does not breed a lot of confidence in me. It's a fine game now, and I'll give them credit for that. It's not necessarily what I wanted, but it's okay. Fallout 4 underwhelmed me again not a bad game but in the context of what was going on in the industry around it it was really behind the times in a lot of ways just because they're working on a new ip doesn't mean this is actually going to be super amazing and i guess my problem is is that while it excited me when they revealed it they've actively done what saul talks about all the time where now that it's been two years i almost don't care and I, and I really won't care again until they show it again. But if they do the same thing and show it and then wait another year and a half to two years to release it, I'm right back to not caring. So the only way that they can really fix this in my mind is to do what Saul always praises Bethesda for, the one thing they really got right with Fallout 4, and that they show it six months before release at max, show you everything you need, and then go, hey, here's the game, here's an in-depth thing of what you can do in the game, and then here's when you can pick it up, and they don't delay it. 
That would be how you fix that situation. But it doesn't detract from the fact that it seems like they wanted to justify their E3 a little bit more by saying, hey, here's Starfield. You know, it's worse. It just seems like it was it was to to help with the people who did not think everything else was going good with E3. It was kind of like just a cherry on top. Like it's it's easy brownie points is all it was. Yeah, sure. And I think the worst thing is that they also had the gall to say to show, and it would have been different if they was if they would have just said, "Hey, we're starting work, not even development. We're starting work on what the Elder Scrolls Six might be." Yeah, that would have been a lot better than showing a title card of Elder Scrolls Six and being like in development. Because why does it feel that we saw Elder Scrolls Six a year and a half ago, two years ago, or two years ago, same time, and, and it's coming after Starfield? And we saw Obsidian's Avowed, and I feel like Avowed is closer. And we saw Avowed more more frequently, or or more. Um, I can't think of the word. More recent. Yeah. More recently, yeah, recently. Reese's, I can remember that. <laughs> but yeah it's like why do i feel like we're gonna see a vowed first come out well i think part of it if i'm being honest is that we know that the outer worlds was shown and then released relatively quickly yeah and then i think the other side of that is the outer worlds was clearly a smaller scope did you platinum that game no i didn't okay i did like it and i debated it but i i didn't um i think the other thing is like there's that part of me that knows that a vowed is going to be a smaller more intimate game but i kind of think i like that see honestly people complain about small map sizes. And people said Skyrim's too small. I think Skyrim was a perfect size game. Perfect. I think that, yeah. uh, if anything, Oblivion, being the size of it was, Oblivion was a little too amb- amb- ambitious for its time. I think Oblivion was a little too big. There's areas in Oblivion in terms of cities that, do you know how many times like I went to, not Shaden Hall, the other one that started with a C? I don't know. I mean, Cyrodiil is clearly the whole... That's the continent or continent, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or maybe it wasn't that. It was, it was sort of the L. I don't think about this. I haven't sw- played the swampy, in a while. Is it like Lululuin or something like that? It's, it's the swampy Argonian city. And like, while it was cool, it was there. It's some, of the, some quest took place there. It's like, how often I went to that, that, that city was ridiculous. It was barely anything at all. Um, and I'm not saying that that one reason is why I shouldn't be in the game at all. But at the same time... I feel like that if it was developed in mind with some smaller areas that Oblivion could have been in terms of world building on par with Skyrim. Cause I think world building in Skyrim was done a little bit better, but only because of the technology we had at the time, the way the sky was, the way the moons were different, the way that you could saw dragons flying around. It felt more lore friendly than just walking around Oblivion, walking around sure. Oblivion in terms of lore, like world and lore building was not the same as Skyrim. Well, here's one one of the big things. If I'm and I, I think I'm remembering it correctly, we've also seen them get more ambitious in some areas. Like Oblivion's big problem to me was that it was mostly the same. Yeah, Cyrodiil was mostly just green trees that didn't really look distinct. And I think until Skyrim's, you got up north near Bruma, where it was snowy, a but few, that, and then down south near Lowerwin or whatever it was yeah. called. Lowerwin is what it was called. I just said it that right, there. right. Yeah, uh, that's the swampy uh, area for yeah. Argonians. And the problem I had with that game is that. 75% of the map was the same. It wasn't, it, it was hard to identify where you were in comparison to Skyrim where it's like, oh, okay, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm at. And Skyrim had these pockets of areas that felt distinctly different from like uh, what's going on around them. And maybe that's not as realistic, but it makes the game world feel bigger by nature of feeling like, oh, I'm in an area with like tree leaves falling down that are gold. And yeah, you know, like, like, I'm around Riften the, and you get yeah, to see Riften, this cool. The, the area near Riften is beautiful. Is beautiful. And what's crazy is the area near, uh, um, like winter holds really pretty. Morthal 
where it was like where it was more rock structure and more streams that was really cool it felt like you were in a microcosm world instead of being in which i know is weird because technically maybe cyrodiil is more like you know in terms of if you were if cyrodiil were a real place maybe it's more realistic that it would be mostly one thing and maybe it's kind of unrealistic that skyrim has so many microbiomes within it but it made skyrim feel more interesting as a as a, a section of that while still feeling like because like okay morrowind was the same well Mor- morrowind had the thing of where most of morrowind was similar but because it wasn't just green trees it was more interesting and it was yeah. also a way smaller map so when you walking around a much smaller map and even though it looks mostly similar it's so alien and foreign that you're like this is impressive but but also brown <laughs> yeah true i mean brown and green yeah but there was also a lot of Dark red green. and orange accents to try and make things look more didn't, alien and island can you go to like the desert area in morrowind wasn't that a thing okay i think I so that so. sounds right yeah but either way, I guess I hope that they are coming back to being ambitious because if I'm being honest, the one thing that I remember bumming me out, and I know that it was a huge problem, and it's part of why more ran, ran, ran so poorly on the original Xbox, but it ran fine on PC just because of the way consoles worked at the time. Um, both Oblivion and Skyrim were like, well, we're going to switch to consoles being the main development, and then we're going to put the game on PC. But the problem is, is that... For the PC people that started with Morrowind and loved it, me being one of them, one of my favorite things about Morrowind, despite being a much smaller map, is that you don't have to load into any city. They're there. Yeah. And one of the biggest complaints I have with Skyrim is that, and Oblivion both, is that you have not only load windows between going into a city, but long load windows going into a city. That's what I really thought was cool with the uh, open walls or open doors mod. Yeah. Where, like, you literally just, like, you walk up to, like, Whiterun, and the guards are, like, halt you know you can't go in and i say i have information about a dragon they open the door and you see the city you just go into it yeah with no load window yeah and that's how the game should have been and i guess my hope is that with this new stuff they're doing like if you're going to put a game in space right you don't want a bunch of load windows between things and that's one of the things i think no man's sky nailed even at the launch when it wasn't full of stuff it was still like i can get up fly from this planet fly to this other planet without ever having to load a single time and that's impressive. That's what yeah. you want from a game in space. Like Skyrim, I never was mad that like, yeah, it makes sense that White Run would have like a wall around it. But why do I have to load into the wall? I Just can't re- open the door. I can't recall load windows at all in Elite Dangerous, unless like you're doing something like going to a base and and like yeah, you go into a base and then you then you park into the base and then you go into a menu. Like maybe somewhere in there there's a load screen, but nowhere near when you're traveling. Yeah, nowhere when you're leaving or entering a base or anything like that. Well, like, okay, so think about this. Next gen, right, SSD. Even if there are load windows, they're so small. But if I'm going to be honest, even if you look and tell me that Skyrim is the, 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 two, the situation you just presented, where you can walk up to a guard, talk about it, and then they open the door and you just walk in. Mm-hmm. Even if next gen consoles have it set up to where that load window can be at two seconds, one second, whatever it is, the fact that there's still going to be this black blank screen that interrupts it is going to feel less immersive than just walking up to a door well, and hitting it and going in. Or, so my hope is that next gen consoles overhead allows them the ability. I don't even care about resolution at this standpoint. I will take a game that's slightly less raw resolution from like a native resolution standpoint. Give me the game at 1440 P if it means that I'm going to be able to go immediately into these cities. That's how I feel about 60 frames per second, but also game developers yeah. could nail it better so that maybe when, Instead of a door opening, would it trigger a load window? Dialogue would trigger a load window, and then so that they go, 
Like the the loading window is now not an actual window on your screen. It is now the guard walking to the door to open the door. It's the it's the old classic American wasteland. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where oh, we're gonna gosh. put you on a bus. There's hate, no loading screen. I hate that game. I don't hate the game, That's the but worst I remember. Tony Hawk game. I, I didn't hate it, but I remember that the marketing was so aggressive about the fact that there was no load windows. And then they put you on this stupid like battle bus thing. <laughs> Game was terrible. Uh, interesting time. That was a that, uh, Thug Two was the last good Tony Hawk game, and that wasn't even a good game. <laughs> yeah, Thug One was so much better than Thug Two. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Uh, next up, Yakuza Like a Dragon's Western release date was confirmed in a new trailer, revealing the game to hit on November thirteenth for current gen consoles. And this is the first Yakuza game that is going to launch day and date on both Xbox and PlayStation. Um, what's interesting is that there's an addendum, and it makes sense with all the stuff that we know that says available November for Series X, not a date and then coming soon for PlayStation 5. Now, the thing is, PlayStation has not said November, so this is as much information as they can give. Um, Sean in the Discord thought it was interesting that with the way that Call of Duty is choosing to break things up, he thought that that meant that maybe PlayStation is not going to come out in November. But this is clearly a situation where since PlayStation has not come out and said when they're going to come, even if it's coming in November, even if it's coming the same day as this game releases or Call of Duty they releases, can't they say can't that, say that yet. Yeah, they can't say that this game's coming in November for PlayStation because they don't know. Yeah, so just because or, it says coming soon, it doesn't mean that PlayStation 5 is not hitting that window. It just means that right now they can't say. Or it's a weird launch exclusive. And that we and this is kind of weird because they're because both companies are dragging their feet so bad in the definitive sure. date and uh, price. These other companies are announcing games, and they're like, I, I, sometime this year, I hope. Like, because PlayStation could come out and could say it's delayed till 2021 because of COVID. Yeah. And, and then any yeah. any game developer that said 2021 for with PlayStation 5 in mind, or 2020, I mean, now have to come out and say 2021. Yeah. Because true. they guessed wrong. So, yeah, because you're right. They could say coming for PS5 2020. Yeah. But, yeah, you don't want to do that because right now. Now, don't get me wrong. PlayStation being so hard-headed about constantly saying it's not being delayed just makes me think that if they do delay it, the PR backlash would be so massive yeah. that they wouldn't at this point, but weird anyway. Next thing up on our list, Hello Games' first release since No Man's Sky was surprised release during Gamescom this past week, so go check out The Last Campfire. It looks really good. It does look really, I'm gonna, really I, good. That actually, that might be the game I play. Um, that's a cool name for a game, too. The Last yeah. Campfire. I just I like the game. art style so yeah. much. It looks good. And it's so it's weird. It's clearly so different from No Man's Sky, but you also see the through line of how it'd be like the same team. Yeah. I don't know. There's another game that has a very similar color like look to it that just came out, Windbound or something like that, that also looks good. Never heard of but, it. But yeah. Next thing, and this is going back to what Saul and I were just talking about with like resolution and frame rate. Uh, and this is kind of interesting. So Bandai Namco's Scarlet Nexus, which you may remember if you chose to look at it it was originally revealed during microsoft's 2020 digital events that they did it's been confirmed to be targeting 60 frames per second at 4k native resolution on next-gen consoles so the thing about this is that while the biggest triple a games seem to be doing this thing where ratchet and clank has come out and said hey the game will have an option to run at 60 frames per second which is great and i like that they're doing that but it's either 4k or 60 frames per second which is okay to me, because like someone said, there's plenty of people that don't have 4K TVs, but maybe they can still benefit from 60 frames per second. Yeah. Great. Maybe there's people that have 4K TVs, but don't care about 60 frames per second, so they can push their TV to the big, the best of its ability. So Insomniac's doing that with both games. We're seeing 4K or 60 frames per second different modes for both, uh, for both Spider-Man and Ratchet. But here we see a game that 
Bandai Namco is not AAA. It's just not. And that's okay. I, mean, I have no problem with that. But I like that we're going to see, presumably, AA games and games that aren't worried about being the absolute biggest just go ahead and be like, we're going to use that extra overhead to not worry about pushing this. We're just going to say 4K60. They're smaller games. Yeah. They typically have a lot less technology into them in terms of scope and, and depth of the game. So, yeah, they can totally take advantage mm-hmm. of this. And I think this is where you're going to hear a lot of really kind of ignorant people say, well, this game is run by Bandai, so why can this great game run 4K60 and not this game? And because they, they don't realize, like... Scope matters? Yeah, scope. Scarlet amount Nexus of detail is, that you want? Yeah, Scarlet Nexus could be a 10-gigabyte game, whereas Red Dead Redemption 3 is 800 gigabytes or something. No wonder it can't run in 4K 60 frames per second. <laughs> it takes up your entire hard drive. Yeah, it takes up your entire hard drive. <laughs> but to me, it's Call of Duty cool. Warzone's getting there for some people. <laughs> Well, apparently, imagine didn't, if you didn't have Destiny base. just do an update to recompile their game down to like half the size. That's the sunsetting thing people are mad about. That's taking out half the game. Oh, I thought that it was just recompiling the game. No, and it's not out yet. Oh, yeah, it's not out. It doesn't come out till the end of like November. It's probably been a year. But do you remember that Warframe, without removing anything from yeah. the game, cut the size of the game in half they just by changing their compression right? algorithm? Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, War- and it looks better than it did prior. Warframe so it's just smart. is like almost 300 gigabytes, I think. Imagine if you have the base PS5. No, Warframe is only like... Uh, not Warframe, Warzone. Oh, Warzone. I'm about to yeah. say, like, Warframe is like 80 gigs 60 now. Or, okay, yeah, yeah 80. Because that Elysian thing came out or whatever it was. Yeah, right? whatever their newest update was. Um, yeah. So imagine if you have a base PS4. Yeah. 500 gigabytes and you're running... <laughs> Three, more than 300 of it at Warzone? Just Warzone. That's so ridiculous. More because, if I'm not mistaken, mistaken clearly... All of the Warzone mode is not what that is, but it's that the Warzone also includes the base game if you buy the base game, right? I don't know, because I think you could buy Warzone for free, but it isn't is, it, it's that size for free. Hold up. I think it's set up to where you download the whole Modern Warfare and you're only and allowed you to play a section. Up. Yeah, it, that's if probably If you what buy it, it, you unlock the rest of it immediately. Because yeah. here's the thing. If I am not mistaken, isn't Warzone a single map? Uh, I don't know now. It was, but it could be more. If you're telling me that a single map is 300 gigs, are you running 8K native assets? What are you doing? It's 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 most definitely the entire game, and and I think I think Marvel actually does have 4K uh, textures in the game. That'd be cool. So I mean, <laughs> well, I'm telling you, my Warfare story is actually pretty good. Oh, I want to try. I, I mean, I still have it from yeah. stuff. Let me borrow it. You got again something else I could play. There's some really cool stuff in that story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's good luck and good luck copying that to your hard drive. Like you have to do every <laughs> game because it's gonna take you a while. Yeah, I'll be glad for PS5 just so I could stop having to do that. Destiny could download its update while I'm at work, come home, turn my PlayStation on, and I still have to copy the update. And yeah, it takes an so hour dumb. and a half. To copy four gigabytes. That was the most exciting part of the entire tech talk to me. Yes. Just listening to them like, you know, the way that PlayStation 4 has to do your update, it has to take this data and then put it into this one and, and then, replace the whole file. Yeah. It's like, no, this one can just slot that in. Oh, thank Jesus. It's why it made, it's why it made me so mad. And what, what was a very strong determining factor in me becoming all, all digital was the day I got home with Spider-Man and we went to the Midnight <laughs> Reliance and it was still an hour and a half. I have the disc. Let me play it. But an hour and a half of downloading updates and everything. Yeah, the problem of it, as much as I am a physical person, and it still does give you the physical benefits, we do not play games off of disc anymore. Yeah. We haven't since PS3 on Sony's side. Well, yeah, well, it's, well 
a few games. Yeah, Killzone 2 was actually notably known for no install needed, and it was kind of crazy. Well, what's crazy about that, too, is that you've heard about what DLC really stands for, or like what people say DLC stands for yes. in the... disc-locked in, content. Yeah, disc-locked content instead of... But now that's not true because nothing's on a disc anymore. <laughs> it's like... Well, I mean, it could still be on the disc on the master that copies over to the system, I suppose, but it wouldn't be disc-locked content. Now it's hard disc-locked content. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, uh, next thing up here, we got a, just two more things that are going to cap this episode off. Sony's corporate report for 2020 confirms that the company is looking at bringing more of its exclusives to PC in an effort to increase their profit in their publishing business, which makes sense. Uh, no word of how they will go about this, though, so it'll be interesting to see how they go about it because if they follow what they've kind of done and the reason I say this is that when you have a fan base that does have some more extreme people, like PlayStation's clearly known for, well, really, both sides are known for, but I think since PlayStation has more users, the percentage makes the natural amount of those people just higher. Because even if you just say it's 5% of both fan bases, well, when you're 5% of 120 million consoles yeah, that's a lot sold, of people. it's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So I think from a PR standpoint, for the most part, there are going to be people who, no matter what, this upsets them. But if the way they continue to go about it is a one to two year gap between the two, like, you know, uh, Horizon was a three year gap, 2017, and it just released in 2020. If you're going to start telling me that you're going to take games from three years ago, two years ago, and then release them on PC just to make more money off of them once they've reached max profitability, I've talked about this on the show, but once yeah. you've reached that max profitability, why wouldn't you spread the wealth? Literally spread the wealth. Yeah. For them and for everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. And then people... you can also get time to make the game. Horizon has been an interesting thing because of the few issues that it has on PC. It's not unplayable by any standard. It's just not quite as smooth as it was and it's on their console. First, it's their first real first party AAA game going on PC. Well, the only weird thing about it is that none of those problems are present in Death Stranding's PC release, which is the same engine. Well, it's also an older game. It is. And Death Stranding was developed with PC in mind. Yeah, exactly. So that's probably what it is. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Yeah, for the first launch, to have a rocky launch is not exactly unexpected. Yeah. Uh, But it's still still done well. It seems to have made them a decent bit of money. And I'm imagining that the development cost would would have been presumably pretty low. Is it on Steam? Uh, Yes. I wonder how much it costs. Like, probably 20, right? Or 30? I think it's 30. Okay. It might be thirty nine. See what would, what would I know? It's not full priced. Yeah, no. What would really help them out is if they brought back their PlayStation Greatest Hits like they have now. But when they launch them, like like essentially, if a PlayStation Greatest Hits come out, you know, like there's a standard by Sony that those are going to launch on PC within a year or two. That would be yeah. I mean, that would be interesting. One as long as it's a first party yeah uh, hit yeah. It's uh oh it's forty nine ninety nine. That's actually a little higher than I was expecting. Well, that's, that's only, that's oh, but Nintendo it is, prices. It is the complete edition at least. So it's a little bit better, but considering the complete is edition the complete is twenty dollars. Yeah, on complete PS4. edition is twenty dollars. Yeah. So just double it if you're gonna do anything place or Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo, right? I wonder how quickly that'll drop. That'll show whether or not it's Sony pricing or, or, or not. Or it could have come onto Steam with because the Steam sale summer sale just got done. That game could have been three ninety nine. In the summer sale, we would we would have known. That's true. Who knows? But I think here's my thing. I said the only game that I think right now would benefit from being put on PC sooner rather than later, Bloodborne. and be, based to the idea of how it goes, is Dreams. Bloodborne. I mean, Bloodborne's fine too. Bloodborne's old, but I'm saying like a game that would skew the window of waiting a couple of years. Dreams makes so much sense to just go ahead and it put does. on PC and see the benefits of it. And if you set it to where Dreams 
on PC is still made with the same limit in mind of PlayStation, or at least a smart algorithm that goes, hey, you actually have a bigger thermometer on PC, but all that just so that you can use higher level access uh, assets. And then when we play on PS4, we swap for a lower poly version of that asset. I don't know what, maybe it wouldn't need to be that, but it would be cool to see how that would work out. And I think Dreams is the only game that might skirt around that. Otherwise, if you're going to tell me that, uh, let's see, let's see a recent game that, let's say, Ghost of Tsushima comes to PC in two years. Fine. Yeah. Absolutely fine. The game's already even, made bank. Even in a year after launch. A year after launch, you're just seeing people pick it up for like 40 bucks. I think the real thing that happens here is, again, the idea of max profitability. Because I think that the more that Sony goes, hey, look, the game is still selling well a year after. But once the game's hit about two years, the, sl- the sales slow to a point where it becomes more beneficial to go ahead and put it on another See, platform. I would think even after a year, they hit that point. I really, I don't know. Because uh, and that's something we won't know because we don't see the back-end numbers. Well, well, you could try and follow VG charts or something like Sony, that. Sony, but we know that's inaccurate, though. Yeah. Sony, though, is one of those companies that you know that if they're making something in the AAA exclusive space, that it's going to be of, of high quality. Sure. So that you would know that with, and knowing that, that's very commonly known among normal gamers, that they would have bought that game within a year if they were interested in it. Granted, they wanted to play it. Yeah, and it's, I think it's yeah, weird because God of War continues to sell well, well after. I think that's so does Spider Man. I think that's that's because those games consistently went down to twenty dollars though. And those people who were like, I yeah. didn't plan on playing this, but for twenty dollars, I'll try it. And then yeah. maybe loved it. But and the thing is though know. is that those people will still be on console a year after. They're not going to swap over to PC and just say I'm going to buy on PC. Even if they bought on PC, it'd be higher priced. It, it, so you no, make, it'd be higher priced, but Sony still gets your money. Yeah, but so they make more of your money. Yeah, it's it's literally like a no loss kind of deal there. I'm okay with it. I think that for the sake of their, and I, I say this more. I mean, it's part of me just as someone who'd be buying the PlayStation Five. It would feel like a little bit of a slap in the face as to why you bought it, but. I'm not going to go that far. Realistically, from what Sony's messaging about PlayStation 5 is, that they believe in consoles and they believe in console generations and all these things, I think that the thing that makes the most sense is as long as Sony is not doing it day and date, you presumably would never get less than a year. And never I think less that that's, that's reasonable. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, realistically, at that point, if move I, your if game I see, and continue to make it profitable. If I see Ratchet and Clank, Rift and Tom come out in May... On PC, yeah. after it come out in March on on console, even then it wouldn't really affect me at much at all. But you could see how someone might be a little miffed. I could see, I could yeah. see how though. Definitely because PC would still have the ability to be a little bit more customizable if you've got a better PC. And you yeah. may have been like, well, maybe I would have bought it on PC had I not know had I known it was going to happen. It's hard to say, but the reason I think that that's going to happen is if you look at every game that's come to PC, Death Stranding and uh, Horizon are two recent examples that were that are owned by Sony and went on to it. But yeah. realistically, they've been doing it way before. They're the ones who own all the games from Quantic Dream, and they're the one that had to give Quantic Dream the ability to publish their game on PC for licensing fee. They own Journey. They licensed Journey out to uh, Annapurna so that Annapurna could publish it to PC. They're clearly okay with this. I think what happened is they tested other people publishing the games but then licensing back to them to see how much they could get out of it, probably with a percentage based off of sales. They saw that that was pretty good, and they were like, okay, we're going to let them do the test run, and then now Horizon will be our first game that we choose to publish ourselves because um, Death Stranding was 505 games, I think, on Hmm. PC. Yeah. So in that situation, it makes sense that they've let test runs happen. They see that there's a a market on PC that's reasonable, and if they're going to dive in and actually have it be Sony Entertainment, you know, Interactive Entertainment product, you know, um, published, then... Now, here we are. But next thing and the last thing 
The same report mentions the company wanting to expand their first-party stable by investing in and acquiring developers with, quote, an abundant creativity and cutting-edge technologies to help build up worldwide studios, end quote. Uh, Which might mean, as we're going into PS5, we might see them do more acquisitions in the near future than what we, you know, because one of the things about that that's interesting is, do you remember the Vita and the PS4 era where when Vita launched and then about a year and a half later they were talking about PlayStation launching, right around that time period, they closed a lot of studios. They did. And then they closed a couple more in around 2015, like what they yeah. did with, uh, or 2016 rather, with uh, like Gorilla Cambridge going mm-hmm. down. So we saw a lot of closures. And I don't know why. I don't know if it was restructuring to get back to profitability quicker or to get to the point where now they're at this point where they can say, we're at a tip top shape. We've got great games on PS4. They sell a ton. The fact that they're exclusive sell as well as they do is insanity. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess uh, just because I think it's fun here, and this is a very fitting community state question for this, what developer would you like to see? And, of course, I, I'm going to leave it. You may not know if they're independent. So just to, on the offense and making it easier, no limits held. No, no, no holds barred. Yeah. Hey, what developer would you like to see PlayStation acquire? Me? Personally? You, Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the Sony's going to buy EA? Or Microsoft's going to buy EA? That's what it was. No, it was, it was both. It, at it, at it, different it, times. It was one of those weird rumors where, like, Sony's going to buy EA. No, Microsoft's going to buy EA. Well, Take-Two's going to get bought by Sony. Uh-oh. Well, now Take-Two's going to get bought by Microsoft. <laughs> what about Rockstar? Oh, yeah, they're getting bought by Sony. No, they're getting bought by Microsoft. And Kinda right now, the, the current rumor, which is at least more reasonable than that, is that uh, Grand Theft no. Auto 6... I say more reasonable. It's, it's, Grand Theft Auto 6 will have uh, some kind of exclusivity window on PlayStation 5. It's possible. It is, granted, with what they're doing with 5 right now. Yes, it, it, but clearly. I still don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't either. And even if they did, what are you talking about? Three months? At max? I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Uh, but do you remember... And I remember at the time, I was like, I guess maybe, because Nintendo wasn't doing really hot uh, when the Wii U kind of halted. And it's like it sold so much so quickly and then kind of just dropped off, and their attachment rate was terrible. So it's like uh, so many people bought the hardware but didn't buy games, uh, which makes the Wii U like one of the weirdest things. Because like, from a number standpoint, it's, it's high, high up there. Yeah. From an amount of money they actually made from it, it's, it's not low. that great. And the games that sold for it, too, are low, except Skyward yeah. Sword. Yeah, there's a couple of big hits for it, like <laughs> the Ring, uh, the Wii Fit thing. Uh, like that uh wind waker yeah wind waker did pretty well as well or the not wind waker um wind waker yeah no wind waker is gamecube you said wii u oh sorry i meant wii oh okay wii u did not do well at all uh i meant wii i probably did say wii u because it was just on my mind that way uh See, but no the wii sold a hundred plus million consoles it's crazy we're both but no one bought of, games for we were it. both thinking of the wii but like I, I was saying Wii U because I said Skyward Sword and that's not a Wii U game. Yeah, it's a Wii game. <laughs> and then then I was like, I guess for some reason my dumb brain thought of uh, Wind Waker because it's also Zelda. Yeah, but you know the thing about the Wii that was so weird is high sales, low attachment rate. Yeah. So it sold a lot and it gets bragged about for that reason, but they didn't make a lot of money. But one of the craziest rumors, and I bought it for a little bit. I was uh, definitely when you're younger, it's easier to be not as open minded and kind of be. Like, I was way more of a sony pony back then than i am i'm pretty open-minded about everything now i still clearly prefer playstation but uh there was this rumor going that that playstation was going to buy nintendo um and then and that you, you remember they would why that rumor in. started it was the mock-up of a console 
Oh, I don't. It what I don't. Okay, I don't remember seeing that. The Wii whether station. Or not it was that. You remember seeing the Wii station? No, this up? was more about because th- um, it wasn't 3ds. What was it? It was closer to the end of the DS lifestyle life cycle because the DS did really well for Nintendo. Oh yeah, like where uh, where people because it actually existed. It existed weirdly enough, but you could play Halo on DS. Do you remember that? Do you remember <laughs> yes. that video? Ooh, you know. There's people who've done a lot of things. I don't know if you ever remember seeing it, and this is where we'll close it out, <laughs> but the Vita, early on, this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen Sony do, and I really would love to see them do something like it again, even if it's on console side with PS5. Um, early days for Vita, they had like a couple months, maybe even to a year period, where you could download this development kit for Vita, and you could just develop what you wanted to for Vita. Yeah. Now, it was really crazy, but people were using it to do pretty interesting stuff. So since the Vita had the tech to be able to remote play in it, people found a way to tap into that tech and be able to stream their computer to it. Yeah. And there was a, a guy who made this thing where he chose Left 4 Dead as a singular game that he could do it with, but he he mapped Melee to the touchscreen, something to the touchpad, I think it was Sprint, and you could play, he, he was playing with pretty minimal input lag, the entirety of Left 4 Dead 2 on his Vita. Didn't that also start a rumor that Left 4 Dead 2 was coming to Vita? Maybe, because At people first, are silly. Yeah. <laughs> but it was more of a like, hey, this remote play tech is pretty interesting. There were other stuff that was cool that people developed, but I think that was the one that stuck with me the most because it kind of made me think like, not that Sony would, but wouldn't it be crazy if they were like, hey, we're going to let you just play your PC like on this. You can just you can remote play your we're PC on your buy Vita. buy Valve. <laughs> that would be the rumor of century right there it man <laughs> okay so community state question one more time is what developer would you like to see sony buy no matter who it is we just want to hear what it is and that'd be your crazy i mean i'm kind of interested to see how ridiculously close people get if someone says microsoft i swear to god they're gonna say it josh Drago will say it just because i'm it. sure it's gonna happen but even then i think like i'm waiting for someone to say something like 343 industries or something that's so tied to their owner that'd be weird yeah they're buying but Nintendo. More funny, like, the stipulation would be that they get the developer, they don't get any of the series. So it's like you get 343 if you buy them, but you don't bring Halo to PlayStation. <laughs> now you're going to get a Mario game called Barrio. They bought Nintendo. It's going to be called Borio, and it's going to be Mario's son. But they're not... It's, he's going to be called... Cl- you're getting very close to, to Naruto. To Naruto, yeah. yeah Boruto. Boruto. Anyway, we guys, we will see you next week. I'm going to let Saul round us off with the end of the show as he always does. Hey, you guys know where to find us on YouTube. And if you don't, you can find us there every single Monday at 12 noon Central Time or 10 a.m. Pacific Time. And if you want to listen to us through your car stereo, through your earbuds at work, your earphones at work, or just at home without having to see our ugly faces, we're on every podcast service that you could find. If we're not, weird chance, but if we're not, yell at us. Let us know to get on there. If you like this, give us a like. If you're on a podcast service, give us a rating. Comment on why you liked it. Comment on if you didn't like it. Tell us what we could do to improve ourselves. And share it among your friends. Everybody loves two guys sitting together who are middle aged. That um, two guys one podcast. I always say I always say middle aged, but we're I'm bar- I'm not even thirty yet. We're but, quarter um, aged. We're quarter aged. Uh, <laughs> I'm like a like a dingy quarter, <laughs> but um. <laughs> If you did like us, give us a share. And most importantly of all, if you really want to help support us, you can go to our Patreon where you can subscribe for just $5 a month. Every three months that you are subscribed, $15, you get a custom case. And if you don't know what that's about, well, go to Patreon and look. look, Or our Twitter at Triangle SQRD or in our Discord and be like, hey, 
let me see what this looks like and we'll send y'all a picture of them. Yeah. We also have a Facebook group for all those older people who still use Facebook. <laughs> uh, it's called Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast and uh, you can join us on there as well. Saul's not on there. Just I'm not on there. Uh, I don't like Facebook and neither should you. But I'm going to let Brett <laughs> do a live reading of our lovely people on Patreon who support us. Quick update on custom cases. I ended up, ha- I have a couple of that I need to get reprinted because for some reason the print the print shop that I use didn't catch it, nor did I when, until I started cutting them. I am working on the cases, and I have a, a lot of them cut, but I'm going to go reprint a couple. Almost everyone, and I mean almost everyone, chose Final Fantasy VII Remake. They case. did. That's the one I want. I want that, so you better throw in an extra one for me. Well, then so I'll give you an home. extra one. I, I, have, thought, I thought you were going to say everybody. Almost everybody took Hyperlight Drifter. And I was like, oh, no. my God. Hyperlight my Drifter heart. did get chosen, so your heart still gets tickled a little bit there. My heart. But... As Saul said, we would like to give a special shout-out to our patrons, Mr. Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villalobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Baconbits, Joshua Lago, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Mr. Root Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, and last but certainly not least, Tyler B. If you would like to support the show with more than just your time, which we are ever so thankful for, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider becoming one for as little as a dollar per month. Thank you, gentlemen.